So good morning. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at who we're becoming as followers of Jesus. And to do this, we've been using our vision and our core values as a framework. Our church's vision statement, and hopefully you're starting to recognize this, says that we are a Christ-centered, cross-cultural, and intergenerational community called to model unity and to live prayerfully, generously, and redemptively in a broken world. Today we're focusing on living generously and our core value of generosity. When Dave asked me to choose a sermon title from his full schedule, I chose generosity because I thought it was the most exciting and the most challenging. The most exciting because I really do believe that living generously is key to the abundant life that God promises those who follow him. And challenging because I knew that preparing a sermon with any integrity was going to make me ask questions of myself and face up to the areas where I struggle sometimes to live generously. I wonder if maybe for all of us, it's helpful to remember the overarching title of this sermon series, which is Who We're Becoming, and to remember that God is patient with us, and that as individuals and as a church, we're a work in progress. Whether we're just checking out the Christian faith, or we've loved Jesus for years and we're really intentional about wanting to live his way. So I wonder how you would define generosity. What do you think it means to live generously? Perhaps the first thing that springs to mind is being generous with our money. And money is definitely important. It gets things done. When one of our kids was much younger, I remember them asking why they would give to the church. They just hadn't thought about things like who pays the bills, who pays for equipment, who pays for the youth events that they love so much, who pays for staff wages. They hadn't thought about how does the church fulfill its mission to give money to different missionaries and organizations locally and globally to support the work that they're doing. I still remember another family member saying somewhat incredulously, and I'm looking at him at the moment, who do you think pays for all this, the money fairies? Clearly, financial generosity is important, but living generously is more than this. So perhaps you understand generosity in terms of how we use our time and our talents, that is our gifts and our abilities, as well as our treasure, our money and our possessions. And for sure, God cares what we do with our resources. 
He knows that how we spend our time, our talents, and our treasure reveals what's really important to us. So being generous with our time and our talents as well as our treasure is important. But I think that living generously is more than this too. Living generously is about our whole lives. Every single thought and interaction with others is an opportunity for generosity when it's grounded in a proper understanding of who God is, why he created us, and the extent to which we trust him. Why don't I pray? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in this place and that you want more than anything to work amongst us. So I pray that this morning we will hear you and we will respond to you in a way that brings glory to God. And Lord, I pray that nothing that I say will be a distraction to the movement of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So, our God is generous. Beginning in Genesis, we see that creation is an expression of God's generous love. And we're given a picture of a whole world teeming with vibrancy and goodness. And into this world of glorious abundance, God placed humanity creating people in his image to partner with him in caring for everything that he has created. And we do this by living generously. Take a look at the picture on the screen. God is the source of everything, and he blesses each of us abundantly. Everything we have has been given to us by him. Our time, our talents, our treasure, our very existence. They've been given to us for our flourishing. Psalm 145 says about God, Generous to a fault, you lavish your favor on all creatures. Psalm 110 proclaims, for God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. And as people, we have the task of spreading God's goodness, allowing all the good things that he's given us to flow through us to bless the world for its flourishing, for shalom. The key idea here is overflow. God pours out blessings on us and we pour out blessings on the rest of the world. In Hebrew, the word generous literally means to saturate with water, to overflow in such a way that brings life to others. Proverbs 11 says, a generous person will prosper. And we're not talking prosperity gospel here. 
a generous person will prosper. They will become all that God has created them to be. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. We live richer lives when our words and our thoughts and our actions bring life to others. God calls us to live generously because this leads to shalom and acts as a signpost to his generosity and goodness. And the generosity that we see in God is perfectly represented in Jesus. First, his death was the supreme expression of God's generosity. John 3.16 says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. I'm a parent, and I cannot imagine doing that. Second, Jesus mirrors God's character flawlessly. Jesus proclaimed and modeled a kingdom of generosity ruled by a generous father. Just think for a minute about all the ways that you know about how Jesus lived. And if you don't yet know how Jesus lived, take a listen and be curious about this guy. He welcomed those whose society and the religious establishment looked down on and spurned. He fed people when they were hungry. He saved a wedding party from embarrassment when the wine ran out. He taught people, healed them, prayed for them, grieved with them. He spent time with children an extravagant use of time and affection in a society that didn't hold children in any esteem. And on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's generous. So if our definition of generosity is limited to time talents, and treasure, Jesus' life is going to expand our understanding to include grace. Jesus showed compassion, kindness, and forgiveness to everyone. And as his followers, to live generously means to do the same. Jesus could live and die generously because he trusted God. He knew that his Father is good and that obedience to him is key to flourishing, both for himself and the whole of creation. So, let's explore this idea of trust and generosity because they seem really important. Trust and generosity are intertwined. If I trust someone, I'm more likely to be kind to them, to share my stuff with them, to give them my time and so on. If I don't trust them or I don't fully trust them, 
then I'm going to hold back. And it works like this with God. If I trust that God is good and that he wants the best for me, he never holds out on me, then I'm not going to hold back anything from him. This is great in theory, but it can be really hard in practice. When we read Genesis and the story of the snake talking to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we see that since the beginning of history, humanity has been confronted with a lie. God cannot be trusted. What he has given me isn't enough. And who I am isn't enough. And our society re reinforces this lie, often creating discontent with what we have and who we are. It's no wonder, really, that we can hold on to things and shrink back from giving our whole selves and our resources for the benefit of others. When we don't believe that we have enough and that we are enough, we can block the flow of God's generosity through us to others. But what does it mean to have enough? You may disagree with me, but I think that this is answered by whether we know that we are enough. That God loves us just as we are, and that he has created us to bless others with all that we have. Earlier I mentioned that in Hebrew, the word generous literally means to saturate with water. And I noticed one of the songs that we sang talked about being full. Notice that generosity comes from a place of fullness, not emptiness. If we don't feel like we're enough, we can do things that look generous. But in fact, we're just trying to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. This isn't generosity. This is a way to fill our emptiness. So to what extent do you trust that God says that you are enough and that you have enough? The answer to this question is foundational to living generously. And there are things that we can do to cultivate our trust in God's generosity so that his generosity flows through us to others. So why don't we learn from Jesus? Often a good thing to do. So firstly, he looked for signs of God's goodness. Jesus knew all about tears and heartache. And I think this is especially poignant this morning, just even after John's prayer, thinking about all the tears and heartache that there is in the world at the minute and that there may be in our lives at the moment. Jesus knew about tears and heartache. He grew up in a nation under military occupation, with people losing their land and families. Debt and poverty were rife. And yet we read in the Gospels that he could look at 
flowers and birds and grass and was reminded of God's generosity and abundant love. He had no doubt that God had created a good world, one where there is enough of everything provided that people live according to the image of God. Secondly, Jesus fostered his relationship with God. He spent time in prayer and quiet with him. He studied the scriptures, immersing himself in God's promises. He knew that he was beloved. It's interesting, as I was preparing this talk that I was so excited about doing, I tried to do it at a time when I was overwhelmingly busy and I wasn't taking time to be still. I wasn't spending as much time with my Heavenly Father as I normally do. I was busy preparing meals for guests and this kind of thing. And I noticed that this had an impact on how generous my attitude was towards other people. And it's been good the last few days to be able to be still again and feel mentally and heart-wise, I don't think that's a word, but you know what I mean, ready to deliver this with integrity. But I struggled in the preparation. So I can learn from Jesus, and maybe you can, that to live generously, we need to hang out in the stillness with God and remember his promises, and remember that we're beloved, and remember that we are enough. That God can even use me to talk to you. Wow. And number three, Jesus thanked God for food, for being available to everyone, for answered prayers. He was even thanking God on the night that he was betrayed. He knew that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And I smiled when Dave used this verse last week. It's obviously an important one for us, family. Every good and perfect gift is from God, and he doesn't change. So these things that Jesus did, we can do too. We too can pay attention to God's goodness. We can foster our relationship with God. We can be thankful in all circumstances. There's two more things we can do. First, we can meditate on the generosity of the cross on amazing grace. Author Anne Voskamp writes in her book, 1,000 Gifts, the following, I am blessed. I can bless. A life contemplating the blessings of Christ becomes a life acting the love of Christ. It's quite profound. Author Randy Alcorn emphasizes that the impetus of true generosity is our understanding of Jesus' generosity to each of us through his death on the cross, his grace, his compassion, his kindness, his forgiveness. 
Alcorn writes, God's grace is the lightning and our giving is the thunder. Just like thunder follows lightning, giving follows grace. And here's the really important bit. It is possible to give without a deep understanding of God's grace, but it is impossible to have a deep understanding of grace and not give. The second thing is just remembering we're not on our own. We can remember that Jesus has left us his Holy Spirit to guide us, to prompt us, and to grow his fruit of generosity within us so that we all become the people God created us to be. Practicing generosity invites us to trust that we will not exhaust God's goodness and generosity towards us and to believe that he adores us and that we are enough just as we are right now to be a blessing to others. As Paul wrote to Jesus' disciples in Rome, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God has given us Jesus. This is enough. And because of Jesus, we are enough. This is grace. There is, however, a challenge that each of us needs to recognize. Living generously is a command, not an option, for the follower of Christ. The message translation captures well what Jesus says to his followers. And I really want to get the tone right here, but grow up. You are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. If we want to be more like Jesus, then we have to live generously and be gracious with others, just like he is with us. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul says that we are saved by grace through faith, and that this salvation is God's gift to us. However, we are also God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Reminds me of that slide we saw. God, us, world. In the parable of the talents, and you can find this in Matthew 24, Jesus makes it clear that although grace comes before our responsibility to live generously, it presumes that we will be generous with all that God has given us, even though what we've been given varies. The New Testament repeatedly warns that we will have to give an account to God for how we spend our lives, how we share the time, the talents, the treasure, and the grace that he has given to us. And if you need an acronym, how about three T's and a G? Got to have an acronym in a sermon. 
We're made right with God on the basis of our faith in Christ, not by our own works. But good works show our gratitude for God's grace. James 2 says, What good is it if someone claims to have faith, but they don't have works? Being generous with our time, talents, treasure, compassion, kindness, and forgiveness, our whole selves, is how we serve God and bring him glory. It's also how we are sanctified, how we're made holy, how we become more like Jesus. Paul writes to Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Jesus came to bring us life now. Proverbs 11 says, One person gives freely yet gains everything. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A poverty of spirit rather than the poverty of generosity that John mentioned in his prayer. A poverty of spirit defined by selfishness, greed, fear, and meanness. This isn't how God created the world to be. And it isn't how we can work with him to expand his kingdom on earth. But working with him, partnering with him, requires trusting him. So, before we look at what living generously might look like for each of us as we move forward, how about I just summarize where we've got to? Because I feel like I've said a lot. I began by asking you how you would define generosity. As we look at who God is, why the world was created, and the descriptions of how Jesus lived that we find in the Gospels, a good definition of generosity might simply be love in action. We're called to bless others with all that God has blessed us with, not only our time, talents, and treasure, but also his grace. We're called to extend to others the compassion, kindness, and forgiveness that he has given to us. The streams of living water that Jesus promises his followers were always intended to overflow us into the lives of others, including those who feel closer to being our enemies than our friends. We then looked at how living generously is founded on trusting God, that we have enough and that we are enough, and how we can cultivate trust in him. And finally, we've just said that living generously is a command for anybody that says that they follow Jesus. So let's get really practical, and I've got one suggestion and four questions for you. First, the suggestion, why not set aside some time this week to reflect on your past for evidence of God's goodness in your life? This might be anything from, and I'm thinking of my own examples here, from 
an outfit to wear to your son's wedding when you have about 48 hours to find it. It could be coming to Canada and finding a place to live unexpectedly. It could be a new job. It could be a friend. It could be healing from something. Looking back in this way can often help us to trust God as we move forward. So that's the suggestion. Look back. Now I encourage you to look forward. And I'm going to use the three T's and the G, because you know what it stands for now, to guide the questions. Time. How can I deepen someone else's experience of belonging and community? Who could I phone? Who could I invite for a meal or a coffee or a walk? The possibilities are endless. The thing to remember, though, is that you are enough to bless someone else right now. Talents. What skill, knowledge, or hobby do I have? Or just something I enjoy doing? I may not be very good at it, but it's something that could enrich someone else's life or the life of our church family. Believe me, you could be rubbish at making cookies, but if you arrived on my doorstep with a plate of cookies, I'm going to be blessed and maybe put on less weight than if they tasted amazing. Treasure. Just one thing about the talents bit. I think sometimes when we talk about using our talents, it's a bit of a loaded word, which is why I'm saying that you don't have to be amazing at something to bless others, okay? But sometimes we feel really unsure about what we're good at, or we're scared of going up to somebody and saying, hey, I'd like to help on the welcome team, but I'm you know, not sure I'm very good. Or I think I like being with children, but I, you know, I'd like to find out about serving, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be very good. So all I can do is encourage you, aside of be courageous, but go speak with someone and see where you might use what God has given you to bless others. What about treasure? How am I showing my trust in God's generosity through my financial giving and the sharing of my possessions? If I call Calvary Baptist Church my family, do I support it financially or am I relying on the money fairies? And grace. To whom could I extend compassion, kindness, and forgiveness. Who do I know that would benefit from an encouraging word? Or maybe I don't know them very well, but I pass them in the street and I could give them an encouraging word. Who has hurt or offended me that I need to forgive? Where am I holding on to a grudge that I just need to be free from? What's the Holy Spirit prompting you to make a priority of today? If it helps you to share this with someone, whether it's for encouragement or accountability, or you just want to 
talk about it, then feel free to email me at sarah at calvarybaptist.ca or talk with one of the other elders or pastors or talk to a friend. But don't let it just stop this morning. Keep thinking. Keep working it out. Keep discovering that you are enough and God wants to use you to live generously and bring his kingdom to even greater fruition here on earth now. And as we, each of us, engage with living more generously, I encourage you to accept generosity from each other. I haven't always been very good at this, and there were a few times where I had to learn the hard way to accept other people's help and their generosity. 1 Corinthians 12 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. We need each other, not just for support and encouragement, but to grow more like our role model, Jesus. And if we live generously as a church family, I'd like you to imagine the impact. Acts 2 says of the early Christians, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The glad and generous hearts of the Jerusalem church had a huge impact on the wider population. This new way of living proclaimed far more eloquently than any speaker that the kingdom of God had arrived. No wonder people came day by day and were saved. Their lives transformed and made whole by a generous community that loved everyone. Who wouldn't want to be part of this? Okay, band, would you like to come up and then I'm just going to finish. Our commitment as a church is to become more like Jesus. Living generously transforms our lives and it transforms the lives of others. It's not always easy, but it is what we were created to be and it's who we are called to be. Living generously is how we allow all the blessings that God has lavished on us to overflow us and pour out onto others. And that makes a difference. So let's pray before we sing again. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the way that you lived generously. You noticed people and you cared for them. You spent time with them. And Lord, you went to the cross and you died for all of us. And I thank you for that generosity. And I pray that each of us would take time this week to remember your goodness to us. 
and to have a think about what it looks like for each of us to live generously, to share our time, our talents, our treasure, and your grace, your compassion, your kindness, and your forgiveness with everybody that we meet. And Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you love us just as we are right now. Amen.